hello. Hey guys, welcome back to the Cosmic Coffee Shop. Good day, and how, and how are all of you? As I wish, I wish you, could, I wish I like was like, how's everybody doing? And it was just like a chorus of voices being like, oh, it's, like I would love to it's hear good, that. It's good, it's great. Hey yeah, it's guys, great. how I, you I, doing? Hello. Um, this is one of like the first times when we're actually recording like in the morning on mm-hmm. like at a coffee. We have coffee. It's it's good. Yeah, it, like thank God for the coffee because it's a totally different feeling waking up this early and it's not even early it's 10 a.m and recording (laughs) Mm, yes i i mentioned in our last intro that my goal was to get up early in the morning and i'd like to assure everyone that nothing has changed and i still have not done that um so if you're behind on your yearly goals that's fine (laughs) you know that's okay because all of us are it's it's all right (laughs) yeah i i've never been ahead on my yearly goals i do i have this mug that i'm drinking my coffee out of that is something my dad gave my mom and it says never underestimate a well-read woman and i enjoy this mug greatly because it's it's fun i think it's a cool like way to look at like uh, how like reading and stuff like affects your life absolutely that's awesome delicious oh my gosh i did not i just realized i never thought of anything that i learned this week so you have to go first okay yeah no that's totally i'm sure there's something that i learned but like right like at this moment i haven't Mm -hmm. thought of a single thing that's totally fine because i was uh trying to figure out what i was going to uh talk about and i realized uh i've been i've been watching a lot of survivor recently oh uh a great show a fun show like Here's the thing. I used to never watch reality TV shows. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Sam Rod actually got me on to a reality show called Are You the One? Please go watch what? Are You the One. Please. Oh, it's so good. It's so good. It's it's a group of like, I think like 10 couples in one house. but And each of them have a perfect match yeah. there at the house with them. But they just got to find out like which is the right match it's, it's, it's like a what everybody show. thinks college is like but that right, isn't what right. college is it's like it's not because i found out there's no perfect matches here uh, it's it's uh <laughs> <laughs> there's this amazing um oh my god it's it's a uh, a netflix like comedy special um with this guy named daniel sloss and he talks about like um like like love and how you can't like 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 how you can't just shove somebody into your life and be like they're my they're the love of my life and mm-hmm. one of the things that he says like, there are eight billion people in the world and you think you found your soulmate eight miles from your house and that stuck with me <laughs> for so long yeah it really did um or you can find them on are you the one you know you know hey that's that's my goal i think i'm just gonna apply for the show <laughs> all right so what i learned from survivor is that um the real survivors are not the people, the contestants on the shows. No, 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 no. Uh, the real survivors, they are uh, the paid, barely paid interns that work on the show. Oh, my uh, God. It turns out every single one of the challenges or anything that they're going to put the contestants through, mm-hmm. they put they put uh, the interns through first. Mm-hmm. They're just like, if this... If this 18-year-old can handle it, you know, who's been fed nothing but peanut butter and jelly and coffee, then this, you know, 37-year-old veteran can probably do it. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's because they think for some reason that those kids, like, know way more than the survivors. Whatever. Whatever. Oh, but the resilience you have as as a teenager that, like, has just been declared an adult. Oh, man. Like, the resilience you have at that point. Like, it fades... So quickly. It I am only 21 quick. and it is gone. That resilience say, is gone. 
I, I, I'm 20 and I don't feel it anymore. And that's just a sad thing to like, think about. 18 and 19, you could get hit by a car and you bounce mm-hmm. up and you're like, oh, well, okay. Yeah, whatever, I'm fine. <laughs> now it's just like, oh, I think I might actually be dying. <laughs> I think you wake up in the morning, you're like, oh, I feel like I'm crusty. Oh, Dude, no. yeah. No, every time I wake up in the morning, I'm like, I just can't. Like, a little bit more every day. I'm just like, I can't. Yeah, I just don't I, and, I, and I'm like, beyond certain that anybody who is any, any amount older than me, even like two days older than me is like this is blasphemy it's you know nothing yet and you're right yeah, yeah. i know nothing except for that i am not as i don't know bouncy as i was when i was I, I 17 know. 18 but then two days from now you're gonna realize oh shit it's even worse oh yeah <laughs> and when you're and when you're 18 you look at a 16 year old and you go oh you know nothing you know nothing. you know you've nothing. been through nothing <laughs> you're 16 God, that's just like the way of life because i'm sure when we're old and decrepit we're gonna look at all oh, the yeah. younger generations and be like oh you know nothing oh, we yeah. still Survived the pandemic. I've made like I've made like a, a a kind of silent vow to never do that thing where I'm like you're too young to understand yeah. stress because I remember when I was 19 I was it was kind of like I don't know like the, the beginning of like really hitting that like oh being an adult is hard and I was I was going through a tough time yeah and I was working with some people in like their 40s and 50s and one of them was like what is 19 year old stress compared to my 40 year old stress? And I was like, I don't know. I'm not 40. I don't know what that feels like. I just know that right now I feel terrible. And so when I started teaching like middle schoolers, I had like a 13 year old come in and they were like, I'm having the worst day of my life. And my first thought was to go like, you have no idea what that feels like yet. You're 13. And then I was like, no, this is the worst day of your life yet. And I will support you because like that sucks and it feels really bad. And in three years, you're going to look back and be like, wow, that was pretty easy. But right now it feels terrible and it's worth acknowledging that like the now matters more than like what it will be in retrospect. Like if things hurt, they hurt. Absolutely. No, no, no. You're totally right. I, Mm -hmm. that's something that I find extremely important because a lot of people who are older, they're just like, oh yeah, well, you know, you're not, you just haven't lived enough. You Mm -hmm. haven't experienced enough. You've not been through enough. And it's like, well, yes and no. I mean, it's the, it's the same thought as like. Just because you're older doesn't mean you're smarter, you know? Yeah, yeah, like like wisdom can come at any stage. And wisdom mm-hmm. is also different. Like, I, I have great respect for people who are older and have given me great advice as I've grown. Absolutely. Um, I also have great respect for kids who are willing to kind of go into the world blind and have just as much confidence as you would if you had years and years of experience. Um, mm-hmm. I think that's kind of cool that, like, at, at, any, at any stage you can be something really amazing that said i am going to continue making fun of freshmen in college (laughs) oh absolutely because i was made fun of as a freshman in college um and i deserved it (laughs) it's the rite of passage really (laughs) i don't support hazing but i do support making fun of freshmen in college here's the thing you don't support hazing you just support subtle hazing (laughs) no i I firmly don't support hazing i but i i do find it funny when people get lost trying to get to their first class like, I do find yeah. that, like, like a very yeah. mild form of funny. It's funny. It's funny. And you know what? Here's the thing. It's not like, if they ask me, if they ask me, I'm going to help them. Of course. Like, Absolutely. I'll, of course, tell them but where they But they won't are, ask. Then, they won't ask. They're going to, because they're going to, because I didn't ask. When yeah. I was like, I was like. I remember my, my, oh, freshman year, my freshman year of college, I stood getting my textbooks and I almost started crying because I couldn't get anybody to answer whether or not I was allowed to highlight in the book. And a senior <gasps> turned around and he was like, nobody cares about your books you could burn it 
And if you return the front cover, that's, it'll be fine. They'll give you your money back. And I was like, wow. okay. But like at that moment, I was so terrified that I was going to get in like the biggest trouble ever. I'm being like, <laughs> can I write notes in my, in my Western religious traditions textbook? Because like you're terrified. You have no idea what you're doing. Yeah, yeah. That senior, dude. The, and that senior probably even didn't mean anything bad by it. He was probably just like It was super incredibly sp- helpful like- advice. I have written it every textbook that I've used. I have yeah. yet to be charged. <laughs> Actually, that's not true. I I did not return my textbooks from this semester because they were expensive and I wanted to keep them. And I got them. I the the late fee that they charged me was like like a twentieth of what those books combined cost. One of my textbooks was a thousand dollars. So I just like was like, I'll just keep this. You know, twenty thousand times used copy. It has my notes in it. (laughs) Yeah. Oh my god. That's. That's a lot of money for a book. Yeah, I did, but I did not pay $1,000. <laughs> I no, paid a no, tiny no. fraction of that because they're like, you didn't turn these books back in. <laughs> Give us some money. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> wink, wink. This is much less money than I could have paid. <laughs> so is this is this what you uh, learned this week then, Georgia, oh, that you can write in your textbook? I, well, no, I learned that my freshman year. And I do not advise <laughs> keeping your textbooks because if everybody keeps their textbooks, they'll stop renting them to us. Um, so just know that I did a, a minor crime and I paid for it. Um, actually, well, t- to be fair, I, I did, it didn't you come didn't out of my pockets. It. <laughs> it didn't come out of my pocket. Um, the, the, the wonderful parents that be that helped me pay for my education paid for it. So um, you got, you did a minor crime and got bailed out. Is what yeah, I did a minor me. crime and I got bailed out. So I do not encourage anyone to do a minor crime, um, or a major crime. Don't do crimes. What did I, I, I learned a couple, <laughs> I just like to put disclaimers in there. If there's any children listening, I want to encourage you to not do crime. Hey, everybody do Crime. Do not right? do crime. If you if you have the option between crime and no crime, do crime. <laughs> do not listen to your uncle Dakota. <laughs> crime comes with consequences. Only um, if you're caught. <laughs> shush. Okay. What was I? What I had something in my head that I learned this week. I learned a couple of things. I learned um, how to sew jeans. I, I have a pair of pants that was too big. Um, and I've been working on like learning how to tailor my own clothes because clothes Ooh. never fits. It's yeah, the, no. the, the, the ruse that clothes fits wrong. It doesn't. <laughs> um, so if you want it to fit, you need to put in the work is, is what I've learned. Mm-hmm. Um, and not in the way you think, like, don't go to the gym, just sew your pants, sew them yourself. My, all my pants are, are too big because I don't know why. Um, Fair enough. And so I was like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fix this. Um, it's incredibly difficult. I do not recommend tailoring your own denim. Um, but my grandma <laughs> was a seamstress. Difficult. And her mom was a seamstress. And, I, and I, was, I was like, it's in my blood. I can sew these pants. And like, I did it. But it was hard. <laughs> it was really difficult. Here's the thing, Georgia. The way I look at it, it is in your blood. And it was this like, this was like the first time you really tried for yourself, sewing your denim, right? Like Sewing jeans, yeah. My, my mm-hmm. grandma and my mom taught me to sew when I was little, and every once in a while I'll go into work and they'll be like, does anyone know how to use a sewing machine? And I'll be like, yeah, and then I'll sew green screens or whatever. <laughs> it's, I don't enjoy sewing nearly as much as I enjoy power tools. Like, mm-hmm. it, it, there's no comparison there. For sure, for sure. But, I oh, the, okay, the great thing that I learned was... Um, to to abuse your friend's knowledge. Um, this week, I, I was given oh. a sewing machine for Christmas. <laughs> My best friend is a seamstress. Um, she, I love her dearly. We've been friends since we were little. She's always been. She's always designed clothes, and she goes to school for fashion design and is a costume designer. Um, Whoa. 
does some of the coolest costumes I've ever, ever seen. Like they're, they're so cool. Um, and so I know she's good at sewing and I'm looking through this horrific manual trying to set up my sewing machine. And I was like, <laughs> why am I doing this when I could just call Annie? And so I accosted Annie over FaceTime and made her teach me how to put together a sewing machine. Um, <laughs> just like for 30 minutes um and so I learned how to do all the things but like instead of using a YouTube video I just made Annie tell me <laughs> yeah. how to do everything um so thank you Annie I appreciate you greatly oh <laughs> um, I, I feel that oh man that's so that's fantastic. how I learned to do that um awesome. which was pretty fun uh and yeah I I this week was not like a huge it's been a pretty restful week and that's that's great like I've, I've enjoyed mm-hmm. that um where we have online school for the first two weeks, which I'm honestly really grateful for. Yes, same. Because um, I was feeling oh. some, like, big old COVID anxiety. I, yeah, oh, same. And I've got, like, reshoots the second week of school for the uh-huh. film I was in. Totally. Uh, yeah. It's going to be, it's going to be, it's going to be a long couple of weeks, but we're going to get through it. Yeah. We're going to be rested, and it's going to be fine. Yeah. We got it. <laughs> so if you're still in college, you know, take care of yourself, take care of your friends. And mm-hmm. if you're not in college, take care of yourself and take care of your friends. <laughs> That's Absolutely. pretty much In fact, you know it. what? If you're anywhere in life, take care of yourself, take care of your friends, drink some coffee, keep listening to the show, whatever, you know. Yeah, <laughs> whatever you want. <laughs> um, we, have, we have a great guest today. We have our friend and my roommate, mm-hmm. Micah Pat, who I yeah. love very much. Um, and yeah, it was, we had a great time. Uh, talking with her and i'm excited to share this conversation with you guys yeah it's gonna be great yeah so let's just get right into it let's hop into it boys see you soon bye (laughs) bye hey welcome back everyone howdy doody (laughs) that's my that's not my new phrase of the day howdy doody oh wasn't wasn't howdy doody a show wasn't that like the precursor to snl you mean like hee-haw I do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that was, I guess, a precursor to SNL. It was a sketch show with, like, set characters. I, I remember my parents showed me Hee Haw, and they were just like, this is what we watched when we were kids. This is quality television. I had that exact identical experience. Like, th- this is it. This is what we did for the family nights. Hee Haw. And I was like, oh, but Howdy Doody is a show, right? You know, it could be. The the world and the universe is vast, Georgia. I'm sure somewhere Howdy Doody is a show. Like, if not in this country, another. Uh, good. I, I will, I'll Google it. I'll get back to you. Um, anyway, today we're here <laughs> with our friend and my roommate, Micah Pat. Hi! Woohoo! Hello! How are you today, Micah? I'm great. I feel like I've accomplished a lot of things in the past few <laughs> days. So this is kind of like a very nice, yeah. chill, yeah. friend talk time. Mm-hmm. So I'm excited. Um, we're currently in Micah's room, which is head to toe hot pink. Pretty, it's, it's, it's an impressive amount of, of homogenous color. And it's pretty cool. Thank you. It yeah. brings me joy. Yeah. <laughs> pink, is, pink is your very favorite. Oh, yes. And it has always been my favorite. Like, when I was a kid, I feel like all my friends went through the phase of, like, no, like, pink isn't cool. I want green or blue. And I yeah. I never went through that phase. I was always... Did I ever tell you my room was bubblegum pink until I was seven? Um, my When I was two, my I didn't talk. And my... um, I guess I talked to my sister or something. Like, I just wasn't a very, like, talkative kid. Um, I could talk, just didn't. And um, my mom asked my sister what color we should paint my room and Maggie was like oh Georgia told me she wants it to be hot pink and I despised (laughs) it I hated it the whole time it was so bright and I I became like a big anti-pink person because my room was Mm -hmm. hot pink and then I asked to paint it green when I was like eight or nine and my mom settled on lavender a vastly different color than green 
Yeah, that's not green at all. I had a green bookshelf, though, so we called it fair. I don't know. Pink's never bothered me. My parents never, like, bought me any clothes that were pink, but, like, I wouldn't have had a problem with wearing them. But, no, my favorite color, like, through and through, for a little while there, when I was a kid, it was green, just because Yoda's lightsaber was green, and I thought that was cool as fuck. Uh, But then it was blue, and it's been blue since then. I know, I know it's basic. I know it's, like... That's okay. Yeah, uh, just the easy choice, but I fucking love it. There's so many different shades of it, and it's just, like, so pretty. It's the sky. It's water. It's a lot of things. Yeah. I, I definitely think, like, being friends with someone who loves pink has made me more open to the color of pink, because I was so <laughs> aggressively against it as a child, and I'm like, no, it's, like, it's nice. Sometimes I'm overwhelmed by it still, because I think it's, like, a very out there, like, color, but I, it's it's nice. I like it now. Yeah, I don't know. I've, I've always been a very, like, feminine gal. Yeah. And it's pretty. And and, it, and I, like, I feel like it expresses all of the different facets of my personality because it is, it can be very, like, sweet, caring, feminine. But then if you get a nice hot pink, it's very, like, it's pow, pow. Yeah, it was originally mm-hmm. a male mm-hmm. color. Exactly. It's so cool. And then the industry, what the, what the fashion industry, I don't know what it is. <laughs> Capitalism. Capitalism oh. takes everything and makes it whatever. Right. right. But now we learn it doesn't actually matter at all. Yeah, no. One of my coworkers at Starbucks, like, read my aura, and mm-hmm. they said it was red. Mm. Which I never really heard before, but I was like, that. I kind of like that. With yeah. With the pink. Mm-hmm. I, can, I can see that for sure. So, let's go ahead and hop into the interview. Um, so, Micah, who are you? Who am I? I yes. Two, four, six, oh, one. <laughs> I'm sorry, no. No. Wait, are you a musical theater kid? <laughs> no. <laughs> yes, I am. So when I was interviewing for colleges, whenever people would ask, like, what makes you special? Like, what makes you unique? I would be like, ah, yes. Well, I am a left-handed Jewish vegetarian. (laughs) Um, And then they actually told me in the honors college that that is the reason that they gave me my scholarship is because they thought it was funny. Oh, my God. So they gave me a scholarship because they, yeah. (laughs) Wow. Wow. So... I am a left-handed Jewish vegetarian. If I was going to describe right, a right. friend, I would not start with left-handed Jewish vegetarian. But I would get there eventually. Yeah, nor yeah, would yeah. I. I do like all of those, like, categorical yeah. things, though. Like, I'm a Hufflepuff. Mm-hmm. I'm an ENFJ. Um, type wait, 3 wait. Enneagram. You're a type 3 INFJ? ENFJ. Mm-hmm. We could huh. do a whole episode on personality types, and we probably will, because it's, it's an interesting topic. It's so fun. I love it so much. I love it too much. Okay. No, I love all of that analytical stuff. I'm also a Virgo, Capricorn, Capricorn, which... I have read means that I'm intense. That's, I, yeah, that seems correct. They're that all earth sense. signs. Mm-hmm, yeah. Mm-hmm. And they're all very planning detail oriented. Mm-hmm. Yep. That is, I guess, technically who I am. Yeah. Yeah. Um, in that, like, mindset of, like, all of those things that you kind of inherently are, what are some things, like, from your early life that kind of shaped who you are now? I feel that mm-hmm. I've been very lucky in... Mm-hmm. My upbringing, I, my parents raised me to be very confident and mm-hmm. also very kind, which I think has served me very well. So I feel very lucky in that aspect. I also got a very wide variety of educational experiences, which I think was good for me because I mm-hmm. went to public elementary school. So I got like the quote on, I'm using air quotes, like the normal <laughs> kid experience of like going to public school and like dealing with like the elementary school drama and like... <laughs> Having to fit in and like get bullies and all that, and then right. I went to, but then I went to a Quaker middle school, and my Quaker middle school was completely different from that. Um, yeah. We like you could there was no dress code, there was like we didn't have 
grades we had just like discussions about it we did we didn't have like detention you just had time for reflection mm. huh. it was very interesting and we like every friday we had like group singing with the whole school and we had folk dancing with the entire school oh, cool. we did um we had like settling in which is like a shorter version Whoa. of the quaker meeting so like for quaker meeting it's uh-huh. like i think it's like an hour i don't mm. actually know because i'm not a quaker i was about to ask like do you know kind of what what they talked about there because that's really interesting i've heard of quakers and I, I also know that they're kind of, like, dying out a little bit. At least that's what I have been taught. They don't they don't try to, like, convert anyone. Mm-hmm. So, which I think is possibly why. Um, <laughs> yeah, they, like, when I, every, the whole time I was at the Quaker school, like, no one tried to, like, make me a Quaker. Like, yeah. No, mm-hmm. like, they were never like, okay, time to be a Quaker. Um, but they did teach us the morals of quakerism like there's like the spices which is i don't i don't even know if i remember all them i know the first one is simplicity and the last one is stewardship Mm. um but it's spices and that's like an acronym Mm. for the values of quakers which Mm. is very cool but it was very much of kindness acceptance like we had all of the the great room which was the big common room where we did Mm. the singing and the dancing had flags from a bunch of different countries all over the walls. They added like a bunch of pride flags around oh, cool. the year that I graduated. So like That's they sick. were all about the acceptance. They were all about like the growth at your own pace, mm-hmm. which was a really yeah. awesome environment to be in in that pivotal time of yeah. puberty, mm-hmm. especially Absolutely. because I was like a weird kid. So I think it made sense for me to be in that <laughs> okay. kind of weird environment. Coming from mm-hmm. a Jewish family, how did you end up at a Quaker school? I think my parents knew that I had this this gonna sound kind of self-indulgent but my I think my parents knew they had this like light mm-hmm. inside of me and I think that they didn't want it to be put out or crushed by a public middle school which I feel kind of happened to my brother yeah and he went to public middle school mm-hmm. and I think that they knew mm-hmm. that I would do better in an environment where that could be cultivated and grown and not judged and right. so they just sent me and I'm really lucky that they decided to because it was not cheap but mm-hmm. I, I was then, then I got, went to boarding school. So I've been very, very, very lucky with educational experiences Yeah. Um, because my parents teach, my dad teaches physics and my mom, she didn't teach there, but now she works as in the office of alumni and development. So she just like contacts alumni and asks them for money, which is, um, I don't think necessarily what she <laughs> wanted to be doing. it already? Um, yeah. But so I, I've grown up at a boarding school since age five. Yeah, and yeah. then I went there for, f- which was also a kind of weird experience yeah, yeah. because everyone, that, or not everyone, but all, most of the people there were paying sixty thousand dollars a year mm-hmm. to go to this boarding school, and I was just chilling, going there for free, mm-hmm. and I felt like, ooh, at my at my high school there was a group of kids who, like, own an apartment in Manhattan and go up there on the weekend to party. Wow, like. Whoa. That's that's crazy to me, and I'm just chilling there like, hey, guys, what's up? That's insane. I want an apartment in Manhattan where I can just go party on the weekends. That's sick. Yeah, go oh, chill on private my school kids. Yeah. Senior year, they had a party on in, like, a penthouse apartment mm-hmm. and invited, like, half the class, and then they all wore white and light blue and made it this whole, like, yacht aesthetic. Yeah, and I, I was not invited. I did not go, but... Yeah, that was the vibe of my high school. So, like, super preppy, super, like, exclusive, I assume. Like, that's a lot. Oh, yeah. No, I, I think there's, yeah. like, a huge benefit to, to privatized education and its ability to um, kind of be, like, whatever you need it to be for you. 
And, like, I consider mm-hmm. my homeschool education a privatized education, but I think, yeah. like, the frustration yeah. that I run into when I hear people's, like, experiences from boarding schools or private schools or even teaching at one now is the, like, understanding that the benefits of those schools are not available for everybody um, yeah. and how right. frustrating that can become. Yeah, mm-hmm. definitely. I'm really grateful that I had the opportunity to go. And quite, like, truly, I didn't, I didn't feel like it was super elitist when I was there because yeah. that was all I ever knew. It was like people joke about it, like the petty bubble, like it is a bubble. Mm-hmm. That's all you know. When I, And I had an awesome time there. Like I learned so much. They, mm-hmm. I feel like I got a great education. It really prepared me well for college. We mm-hmm. had school six days a week. We, oh, six wow. yeah, we had school, we had classes oh, on Saturdays. No. It was, oh my God. Yeah, it was a lot. And we got like an absurd amount of homework, like way, way more homework than I've ever gotten in college. And, but it taught me how to write well. It taught me how to do my work quickly. Mm -hmm. It taught me how to do interviews professionally and speak to people. They would send me to events to like talk to donors and like I would go and talk to people. And like, that was a cool experience. But it was Mm -hmm. also like senior year when I was applying to colleges and my two best friends were going to Princeton. And I was like, hey, I'm going to go study musical theater in a school in Columbia, North Carolina. Um, Not an Ivy, hey. And there was just this like, unspoken judgment from everyone and it really really bothered me because we know that you have the capacity and ability to have gone to an ivy league but not the desire like i didn't apply to any of those schools like i didn't even want to i was (laughs) right right what was it like for you personally like beyond the feelings of others to go from a almost entirely privatized education to a public college in a different state it was a very large culture shock especially Mm -hmm. at the beginning i think the biggest transition to deal with culturally was how religion is perceived. Mm. Um, because in the environment that I grew up in, I don't think I was around anyone who was very religious. Because mm. like, you're from New Jersey. Yeah, in New, yeah, New Jersey. Mm-hmm. And like I was raised Jewish, but mostly secularly. Mm-hmm. And most right. of my friends were of that same mindset. Mm-hmm. Like we never really talked about religion. We never really discussed any other possibility other than just like, Hey, we're just here. Yeah, um, we just hang out. Yeah. And then I came and then I came here and I suddenly was surrounded by people and, and my first reaction was like, "Wait, you guys like actually like believe this? Like what? Oh my god." And it was very right. very strange to me because my entire reality was basically shifted. I had actually had a really good conversation with you when you mm-hmm. first got here and I still yeah. remember that conversation that really shifted my perception of it. And then I also remember at the Lost Colony my first summer there, I was reading lines like working on something for a show and this girl walked past me and she was like oh my gosh I know you have so many lines I'll pray for you and I was like wait that's really nice (laughs) I never really thought I've never really thought about it before and I'm sure she doesn't remember saying that but I was like considering that you believe that that is so kind of you yeah Mm -hmm. I don't know my I feel like that whole perception has changed and then also just the perception of like you must be successful to have worth in social groups yeah there's just a lot of comparison, not not even with necessarily accomplishments, but with connections. Mm-hmm. And yeah. now that I feel like I have this whole new web where connections, like, it, they still matter, but it's not the defining thing that you yeah. need to be successful. I'm, like, I'm not getting the, the Ivy League experience, but I think in many ways, personally, it's been a lot better for my growth. Yeah to get right. a wider experience. And I told Sam Rod that. I know he was on the podcast. When he, um, yeah, because he, he's also from the North. He's from New York. And mm-hmm. when he was touring the school, I was talking to him and I was like, hey, I know that you're probably in, um, auditioning at a lot of places, but I just want to tell you as like someone else who comes from that part of the country, like there will not be another chance for you likely to go and like 
experience a different part yeah. of the country if you don't do it now and just like jump out there and see what else is out there. Yo, thank God you did that. <laughs> I love Sam Rod. Me too. He's delightful. Yeah. Um, we, we almost saw places because like I almost went to school in New Jersey. Mm-hmm. Um, and I kind of landed on like a, a similar but, but different perception of I will never get another chance to experience my home state independently. Like I don't mm-hmm. intend to live here for the rest of my life. Yeah. Um, I intend to go to go north or to live in another country. Uh, but like there's a part of the North Carolina mountains that I felt like I was going to miss out by not spending my first like independent years here in the mountains. I think there's something that like draws people here of like, I don't, I, it's, it's not like, I don't know exactly how to express it, but I've seen people come from all over and land here and be like, it's comforting to be in the mountains and to, to be in a place like this. Even if your background has been North Carolina your whole life or coming from up north where the perception of the world is completely different, when you kind of like land here in this space of, I don't know, like the, the ground feels different. I don't know. It's, <laughs> I love yeah. the mountains. It's, it's so true. Yeah, oh, I definitely did not appreciate it until the last spring maybe because mm-hmm. I had a very weird experience where freshman year, I was just walking across campus with someone um, and they were like, the mountains are closed in on us. Oh and I was like, oh, and it was so oh, unsettling. Oh. And that like, just kind of stuck with me of yeah. like, ah, I can't get out. I think they like are protecting. Like it's like, it's like a mountain hug, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, it, is, protect- it does feel like that. Mm-hmm. Kal- is a valley and it protects us from the surrounding weather. So like when it storms all around Kalawi, Kalawi will stay like protected. I think it's kind of cool to see like how the the like world can actually be built mm-hmm. to kind of make a home for people. I, I love Kalawi so much. And like you said, I don't know, I do feel that. I feel like that warm feeling when I'm here. And it, I don't know exactly what it is, but like when I'm able to go up there, sit at the airport or just like on a mountain at the parkway, looking out over everything, it's like, it doesn't feel like it's, you know, entrapping me. It feels like freeing because you can just be at the top of that and look, look down at the rest the world. world. Yeah. And I, I think that I've definitely moved past that fear. Mm-hmm. But I think that a lot of that is just because I feel like I found a community here that I really vibe with now and that I didn't have freshman year because you guys weren't here yet. You weren't. <laughs> so, yeah. Mm-hmm. Now that I have my friends, we'll miss you next year dearly. <laughs> yeah. Mike, Mike is graduating oh, this year, and we're all very sad. I'm I'm mm-hmm. sad too. I'm not sad to leave. I'm I feel like I'm very much like ready to go career wise. Yeah. Like I think that right. I've received the training. I mm-hmm. feel prepared. You did the college. I did. Yeah, I did the college. I'm gonna get the <laughs> degree. But I I am kind of sad that I I'm not kind of sad. I am very sad. Not so much mm-hmm. that I'm leaving you guys, but that you guys have to stay. <laughs> I kind of. <laughs> This was the first year I have experienced, like, what could only be described as, like, senioritis. Where I'm not Mm -hmm. a senior yet. It's just, like, because we've had these semesters (laughs) of corona. Where you're just like, hey, this has been great. Um, I'd like to go now. But, like, I know know as soon as I get back into school, I'll be like, oh, no, there's more to learn. There's more to do. Mm -hmm. I'm glad to be here for another year. Absolutely. Right now? Mm. That's that's when it hits me with the sadness is when I because I'm I'm gung ho to graduate but mm-hmm. then I'm mm-hmm. like oh wait they have a whole another year here without me <laughs> more experiences oh, we won't no. share yeah <laughs> yeah and I know it'll be okay mm-hmm. but like that's it that's will. honestly the thing I'm most sad about about yeah. graduating is like right. leaving you guys here what do you look forward most about graduating I feel very much like I have a lot of possibilities mm-hmm. right now mm-hmm. and I have a lot of things that could go certain ways and I have a lot of 
skills. Mm-hmm. And I feel I feel like probably for the first time, I don't have a set plan. And mm-hmm. I have a lot mm-hmm. of different paths that I could yeah. take. And I would be very happy with any of them. So that's very exciting. And mm-hmm. I'm excited to like just kind of see what happens. Yeah, that's a freeing space to be in. Of, like, yeah. There's no rules, just possibility. Exactly. Yeah. Amen. Cool. Very <laughs> much that. Like, I could go to grad school. I could move somewhere. And I, I have some savings, so I can. Like, mm-hmm. like that. And that's mm-hmm. very much a weight off of my shoulders because of my scholarship. Mm-hmm, sure. I, like, I could move somewhere mm-hmm. and have enough money to spend a few months finding a job that I actually like. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. that's very freeing to mm-hmm. know. Big blessing. So, yeah, I'm excited. I also feel that working at Colony mm-hmm. has given me a lot mm-hmm. of connections around the east coast Mm -hmm. which was cool so i i feel like i have friends in all the different cities Mm, so no matter where Mm -hmm. i go i'll know someone yeah and that's like the biggest fear i think is like making a new friend circle wherever i go because i don't really like i i know how to make friends like i'm good at i'm good Mm -hmm. at making friends when they're put forth in front of me but adult friends what adult friends is hard It is yeah, a really difficult. weird vibe. I will say, though, you were talking before about, you know, connections and everything. But, like, you've made some here. I mean, like you said, you have different connections all around the country, really. Even with us, even though we're here another year, you don't lose those connections either. You still have those. And, and like, undoubtedly, wherever you land, there will be people that you have met or, or crossed paths with or have heard of you mm-hmm. in a positive light, like, anywhere in any city. It's, it's kind of cool, yeah. like how those connected webs kind of branch out from wherever your life uh, starts. It's like the six degrees it's of separation. Business. Yes. Yeah. Have you have you ever sat down and done like six degrees of separation between you and your favorite celebrity? No. I can like, I'm like, <gasps> wait, I can do it now. away from almost everybody that I like am really what? a fan of. Why? Um, I, I, this Whoa. is a very recent excitement discovery. I've okay. already told you about this, but I'm going to tell Cody because it's very exciting. Yeah, Amazing. please, please. Um, so my favorite actress who I've discovered through The Boys, mm-hmm. Aya Cash, I think she is exceptional. She's mm-hmm. such a good actor. She's so funny. She's, I, ugh, I love her. Um, <laughs> so she, I, I saw her in The Boys and then I, mm-hmm. she was on You're the Worst, which is this FX, FX slash FXX mm-hmm. show that ended a little bit before the boys and I watched the entire thing in like three days over break because it was and it made me really sad honestly um (laughs) it was a very emotional show but there's a woman who was in one episode of season five as their wedding planner and she I'm directing her right now in a production of as you like it that's amazing yeah yeah, the woman who I did Julius Caesar with this fall was like, hey, do you want to do As You Like It? An assistant direct for that? And um, and so I'm doing it. And then she was like, okay, I'm going to bring in this woman to play Celia. She's from LA. Here's her IMDb page. And I clicked on it. And she was literally like sat across the table from Aya Cash. So my degree of separation from Aya Cash is one person. Isn't that amazing? I'm shocked. Oh, one amazing. step closer to working with Aya Cash. Amazing. That's, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, That's the dream. Aya Cash, if you're listening. Aya Cash, if you're listening, hat. please, I want to direct you. I know you do Shakespeare if you want to play Lady Macbeth I think you um would be great or you can just like be her best friend yeah you know? please um or my mom either one let's get this out there I uh Cash could you please be my mom thanks um what was I gonna say oh, anyone like knows Cash just get this to her um with them that's that's kind of what I like about the- <laughs> I'm still laughing I'm at sorry. reverse adoption the reverse adoption <laughs> I feel like you've kind of reversed, I've reversed 
just adopted <sighs> you with all the cooking you've done for me. Yes, I. You, Micah has reverse adopted me because I cook her dinner every mm-hmm. time I cook myself dinner. <laughs> it is very nice. No, it's true. It's true. Like literally half of my meals are cooked by Georgia, and it's it's fantastic. Georgia's my, a good cook. My love language is she's giving, a great cook, and one of my mm-hmm. coping mechanisms is cooking, and so they matched <laughs> up to where I yeah. cook for everyone to the point of annoying them. Like every time, someone, <laughs> every time someone no, walks in a room, no. I'm like, do you want a potato? I'm making potatoes. And they're like, oh my God, I, 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 I guess sure, so. Sure, I'll take the potato if you're making me, Jesus. It's like, it's, it's how a lot of women in my family love each other and then love like their families is you, you cook for your family. So I think it's a big like Southern thing. And so like, because a, a lot of my family is chosen family, mm-hmm. um, people that I've like have come into my life and I've been like this is a person that I'm like meant to have in my life I cook for them so if I cook for you it's because I love you dearly um end of my cooking rant anyway I'm gonna make potatoes after this if anybody wants some I would love some potatoes actually. amazing <laughs> what um, was I gonna say I'm gonna plug in my computer I was gonna okay. say something about directing oh uh, yeah tell us about your directing direct- life oh. okay mm-hmm. yes um Please well do. what I was gonna say is that recently I I have been thinking about the audition process mm-hmm. and how I hate it yeah, and it's it yeah, sucks, it's and bad. I like as an actor, I hate I hate it, and I know people are like, it's another opportunity to perform, mm-hmm. like you yeah. get to do your art, but I'm like, no, no. Yeah. If you're, you're if you're, you're listening and you're not a theater person, imagine the worst job interview you've ever been to, and you do it every day, and that's that's it's your, your job. Air quote job. Yeah, your air quote yeah. job is going to job interviews that make you want to cry. Yeah, no, and I yeah. what I really really hate about auditions is I feel that there's it's not a good format to show who you are mm. um mm-hmm. because i feel like it's very much turns you into a product and you're being mm-hmm. commodified and can I, you actually condense yourself into a 30 second chunk of material yeah and definitely no. not and i feel that many of the times that i have gotten opportunities has been because of who i am not what i present mm. i i feel i'm a very like magnetic like warm amiable person who yeah, people like to work with yeah and when i go into an audition i can't i i that that yeah. is not what is being presented what is there's being presented no way is, you can wear your hair or what dress you can put on that's gonna say like this is who i actually am as a human and yeah. you should like want me in your place of work yeah and that's that just feels really yucky to me and it's not something mm-hmm. i enjoy and it's like, even just thinking about the Into the Woods auditions have just made me feel really, like, gross and uncomfortable. Because mm, yes. I just, Having like, don't to compete want to. with people you love is one of the weirdest parts it's of our career. Yeah. But mm-hmm. with directing, I feel very much like I can go to people and say, hey, this is who I am. This is, like, these are the qualities that I have that would be positive to your production. Mm-hmm. Here is my experience. Let me know if you would like to work with me. Yeah. And then we mm-hmm. talk. And... I had my first, um, well, I, I got my first professional directing job by like emailing or you were here, you were there for that. I literally Facebook messaged someone. I was like, Hey, do you need an assistant director? Mm-hmm. Here's my resume. Here's my info. And they were Whoa. like, sure. And they yeah. gave me a, and, and they gave me a job. Multiple jobs and after yeah. that, from that same connection. Yeah, from that same connection. And that's because they worked with, they gave me a chance to work and mm-hmm. I did a good mm-hmm. job. So they asked me back. And then I recently had over break my first like professional interview for directing, for mm-hmm. assistant directing. That was awesome because 
it was an interview. So I actually got to like talk to them and show them my personality. And I think I interview really well. Mm-hmm. And I actually really look forward to interviews. Like I'm excited yeah. about my grad school interviews that are going to happen next week. I think they're really fun because I like talking about myself. I'm sorry. Yeah. But <laughs> I like talking about myself and I like, I like, I think I come off decently to people and I know that mm-hmm. that is what will get me work. So, and that's one of the things that I really like about directing is I feel like my ideas and mm-hmm. my energy mm-hmm. and just like my tangible work mm-hmm. is what is gonna get me jobs, not necessarily yeah. like my talent or whether right. I'm the right fit for yeah. it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm like, it's like I'm not trying to fit someone's idea of what they want. It's mm-hmm. like I'm, I'm just bringing myself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So to kind of flip that on its head, as a director, how would you propose changing the audition structure? to avoid that um, choosing people over 30 seconds of their work. Yeah. When I've cast shows in the past, um, I've started to do like a movement thing Mm -hmm. incorporation into the audition. And that's partly just because I love movement to music. But I do think that asking actors to move to music in a group. Well, first of all, I think that audition should have an interview aspect more than just, hi, how are you doing today? Yeah. And, like, then judge yeah. a person's entire character off of how they interacted with you for <laughs> salutations. Yes. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I would, I think that there should be an interview aspect. Totally. And yeah. then I also think doing some sort of exercise, movement, care, like, I, because I think you can tell a lot about someone based on, one, how gamesome they are. Mm-hmm. To, mm-hmm. to move, like, when I was casting The Lacey Project at The Lost Colony, I had them do a couple of movement songs, and just by seeing who was willing to buy in, mm-hmm. and buy into mm-hmm. the, like, silliness, buy into the vision, buy into just, like, having right. fun, mm-hmm. that was very important to me, and I, I wish I could have done that for Heidi, but it's hard over virtual, which is yeah, unfortunate, yeah. but, yeah, I just think that there are a lot of things in the industry that feel very like plasticky yeah mm-hmm. yeah that i would like to change mm-hmm. but so, so my, my question then is, is how do you feel because the into the wood the odd or woods auditions are coming up and i i read the email about it and it is interesting they have not only the 32 bar cut but just a funny story yeah uh, i love that. do you like that idea yeah cool i i think that's cool i think yeah, I mean that stresses me out. <laughs> um, just, I just, mean, yeah, just because I just the having the pressure of having to make it funny. Like, I wish we just right. had to just tell any story and just have that be mm-hmm. good enough. Um, I, yeah, same. But I like, I, like, I'm not trying to. I'm not a stand-up comedian. I'm not trying to like <laughs> tell you a punchline in a God in a minute. I'm just trying to give you a yeah. nice anecdote. Yeah. I don't know. I, I think right. It's, I think it's cool though to ask like yeah like rep- represent. Uh, like what? What do you find funny? Even if the people that are listening to you don't laugh, it's. I think it's cool to see, um, like like what does humor mean to you as a person versus like mm-hmm. I'm doing a stand up set. Yeah, I'm not making. I'm not doing content that's funny to me. I'm doing content that's funny for my audience. But if I tell a story that's funny, it's funny because I laughed about it, and that's yeah, why it's right. something I remembered. And I think that's a really cool mm-hmm. element of showing people's personalities. Like, what do you think is fun and enjoyable? Yeah, I definitely, I definitely really like that, and I'm simultaneously stressed and excited for it i think that uh, it holds true for many elements of our lives yes georgia what do you think what do you think about me using that uh freshman year christmas party story uh you you know what absolutely yeah (laughs) for for everyone's reference um Mm. i was mom friending cody at a party it snowed while we were there 
and he sledded on his butt down like three different hills and Very almost rocky like, lost hills. him in the snow. I, I don't, don't know, know how I got, got back, back to my apartment, apart, or my dorm. Holy because shit, we got you year. there, my friend. Oh, no. <laughs> we got you there. Oh, you no. got back because of our guidance. <laughs> Yeah, that, that was uh, our freshman oh, year what was a lot with um with uh oh no I have too much responsibility. <laughs> it's okay. And, my and mine was brought with driver. Yeah. Oh, nice. You know I what? Was, honestly, I was, like, though, the unofficial. We didn't drive, so I was the designated walker. Oh uh, yes. Like mm-hmm. I was like walking mm-hmm. people home a lot, um, which I just like eventually stopped doing because like I, I think everybody yeah. should get home safely. Always have a sober friend. Absolutely. But um, it became very stressful. It's like that's a yeah. lot of responsibility to put on anybody as an eighteen or nineteen year old. I, I don't think that like going to a party is bad. I don't think that drinking is bad. Mm-hmm. I do think that as as COVID clears up, like please don't go to a party right now. If you're going to a party right now, please stop doing that. Amen. Yeah. But bad um, time. Bad as time. COVID clears up. My genuine wish and hope for college students that are like, oh my god, now I get to go to parties, is just like, if you're gonna drink, acknowledge that your sober friend does not have a responsibility to take care of you, and if you want someone Mm -hmm. to take care of you, communicate that. Like, the amount of times my freshman year that I was just like, I have ten people, and I don't know where they live, and someone needs to get them home right now, and that, like, was the most, like, I almost gave up on parties completely. They stressed me out so much, because I was like, I can't take care of people like that. I just really, I talked to you about this, about I about how I feel like a majority of my friends in high school, there was a transition point about halfway through high school where all they wanted to talk about was getting drunk. Mm-hmm. And I did not have that experience in high school. <laughs> and I was just not, I, I just was not at all interested yeah. in it. And I just started to feel yeah. really, really left out of the friend group because mm-hmm. I wasn't interested. And I'm still not. Yeah. So I, and that's so yeah. fine. Yeah, but... I, I felt very weird then mm. because I wasn't interested in it and because everyone around me who, and they weren't like, I was not in the cool group. Like we were not cool. Like we were the theater kids. Yeah. Like uh-huh, it was uh-huh. my whole the friend theater group. Theater kids are a microcosm of popularity. Like you still have the cool theater kids. Right. And then you have the weird theater kids. I was like a really weird high schooler and still also a weird theater kid. <laughs> like See, I, I was bizarre. I went, I, was a weird a, high schooler, I went through a great cool blow kid. up in high school. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I was very, very weird theater kid freshman year, and I think by senior year I had gained some respect mm-hmm. from the from the the, the Tharmy, mm-hmm. which was the Thought mm-hmm. Army, which was the popular. Amazing, amazing. Um, and I'm not, I'm not, I'm not <laughs> insulting them. That is like no. legitimately what they called themselves. That's like they awesome. called themselves the Thought Army. My my junior Good. year, we were my my junior year, we were the upperclassmen, and we were like. The, the cool kids, but we kind of mm-hmm. all decided we were going to be nice. Um, and right. so that's why we, that's why like the younger ones liked us is because like we tried really hard to be kind. Um, and then me yeah. and my two male best friends who I'm still, you know, very close with now, we call ourselves titanium because we made a joke about how my uh, dance quads were made out of titanium <laughs> <laughs> because oh I was God. strong. So we were the group <laughs> of titanium. Oh, that's awesome. My freshman year, um, I recruited nine of my friends to be on a in a dodgeball tournament mm-hmm. as an activity, <laughs> um, and we were all like, and um, I made us T-shirts that said, I think I still have the T-shirt. Well, they won't be able to see it, um, but I, I I made us all T-shirts that uh-huh. said the Geeky Theater Kids. Oh my and gosh! Then, um, and we'll then and then I on the and then I bought us all um like bedazzled headband like sweatbands, oh. um, and I made everyone wear them, and oh, good. it was. 
I, I think that encapsulates the vibes that I had in my school. That's the peak. Some that's the peak of life. Work. They're just that hype all the time. Yeah, and that's yeah. actually people say that to me a lot. They're like, like Micah, you don't need you don't need drugs or alcohol. You just your your inhibitions are already lower. <laughs> I, I think that we all somewhere inside of us have that level of like childish fun. I think the reason mm-hmm. a lot of people drink or do drugs is because we miss our inner child in a way that people right. like you already have in touch. Thank you. So you don't have to like mm-hmm. fight to get it. Um, which is a benefit. Like, like try to find that yeah. in every, in every phase of your life, find the part of yourself that doesn't need to cling to something new to like be real. Amen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In, um, Absolutely. in middle school, we watched a movie um, called natural high. <laughs> Um, aka nice. high on life and i just think i took that to heart yeah yeah do you, <laughs> like, like, do you remember being a kid yeah. when you would stay up until like three or four a.m and you were oh incoherent and everything mm-hmm. was so funny yes. there is nothing there is no substance you can take that will match that experience and no you i can't totally agree high. like laughing so hard that your your stomach literally hurts you like you cannot you cannot artificially create that it's you just can't. a blessing of being around people you love as a, as a child, I played Hunger Games Ultimate. Oh, my God. Um, <laughs> oh, 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 Micah, me too. Let's go. Give oh, me my God. Story. Okay, okay. So, um, well, first of all, I should have known that I was going to be a director because I directed my neighbors in a full feature-length production of The Hunger Games. Amazing. Um, where I also starred as Katniss. Um, <laughs> and, um, but we played we played this game called Hunger Games Ultimate, and it was literally The Hunger Games. We had a cornucopia of a bunch of sticks um, in this giant field by the side of our house, and um, and then we had, like, the arena, and you could make alliances, and if you got, like, hit in the arm, you had to, like, you couldn't use that arm, and if you got hit three times, you died, and if you got hit in, a, like, a vital area once, you had to, like, stay in one spot because you were injured. Oh, my um, god! And if you died, oh, but this was the best rule, was that if you uh-huh. died, you became a game maker, so you could Whoa. still play. So, so the, smart. So the dead people were like could make feasts and like mm-hmm. make like things to like lure people. And wow. then, yeah, it was a very elaborate set of rules. That's it was cool. very fun. I miss the elaborate I, set of rules from all childhood games. Same. Oh, they were so like I have a million like this whole conversation has brought up so many like memories to me like a million games on my trampoline that we just like made up. But also the the Hunger Games thing. I totally get me and all of my friends. I would invite like 10 people over to my house and we'd just like have all night parties, but we would get all of our nerf swords and like axes and shields and anything we had. And we put it up in the cornucopia in my backyard. And then I lived in a neighborhood that was like a maze. Right. And we were in a cul-de-sac that would like split off into two other cul-de-sacs. So we just had the whole neighborhood. And I was like, everything is free reign. Don't get caught in someone else's backyard. Let's go. And that was it. There was a a large portion of my elementary school experience where me and my two best friends, Annie and Lizzie, um, the three of us were witches. We like made potions and like had all this like witch paraphernalia, none of which was bought. Like we made everything. Um, and every time we would meet up, we would have, like, our little, like, coven of, of talking about what we were doing. And, like, we weren't trying to, like, do anything. We, I think we just liked making stuff. Um, uh-huh. But it was incredibly complex, and we had a very fun time, and it was incredibly God. enjoyable. That's something, honestly, I still I still love doing, and I wish that I could do. And I that's something I want to take advantage of living in this, like, nature-filled environment, because... I always loved like making things, but yeah. I would make like structures in the woods. We should go make structures in the woods. I used to make fairy houses, making forts, fairy houses and forts, well, fairy like, and, like bridges and forts. across streams. Yes. Yes. yes, let's make them because like why not? Like here's the thing, people talk about like losing that childhood high that you have, where you just like high on life. But 
like we've talked about, you don't have to lose that. You sit there and you let it go because you're like, oh, I've got to grow up. I've got to have these adult responsibilities. And like, while partly yes, you don't have to let any of that go. We can go back to it. Let's go into the woods and build a fucking fort. Why not? Yes. Fort in the woods. Uh, Ugh, fort in the woods. was divine. It's, it's an element of childhood that is so, it's almost sacred. It's almost sacred how yeah. beautiful it is. And it's very interesting to watch how I have 10 younger cousins, not including my brother. And it's very interesting to watch them all grow up embedded in their tech mm. in yeah. a way that I was not mm-hmm. like, I wasn't yeah. allowed to, I didn't have a smartphone until my sophomore year of high school. Same. I was very upset about it at the time, but just now, wa- now watching how my younger cousins like cannot function without their technology yeah. is very unsettling. Yeah. And it's, it's insane. And it's like so bizarre. Like, when I like when I was my like eleven year old cousin's age, I was playing Hunger Games Ultimate and like making forts. Yeah. And that sounds very like oh when I was your no age. when I was little. But it, it is very weird and it's very interesting to see because like all of them, are, like from what I've observed and from what they've said mm-hmm. on the internet, like all of them have severe anxiety or depression or both. Yes. Yeah. And they're little kids. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's like oh my gosh. My, my anxiety did not kick in until I had social media access like like I I Mm -hmm. was always an anxious child I don't want to diminish that anxiety can still come and depression can still come into your life without influence but something about the like um if you watch the the show Big Mouth at all yeah they have like this uh Mm -hmm. big purple depression cat that like uh (laughs) kind of plagues one of the characters Jesse and will come like lay on her bed and be like you just shouldn't do anything you shouldn't do anything and when I was a kid, doing nothing meant laying on my floor, and I would think mm. about life, I would think about the world, and then I became a high schooler, and doing nothing meant I could sit on my phone and literally do nothing, yeah. and it impacted how I processed depression. I was, I was still sad at points of my life mm-hmm. as a kid, but I bounced back faster because yeah. I didn't, boredom is annoying. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's really interesting to think about how we are literally like the last generation ever, ever, that is going to grow up without that stuff. Like, we still had phones. We still had computers and technology. We had access to it. I didn't have, like, like you guys said, I didn't have my first smartphone until I was, like, in high school. And so I got to grow up without that, which was really nice looking back on it. But I have but to like, credit my parents. Like, I, I, ha- oh, I, I think we all sure. could. Yeah. Like, I have yeah. students now who do not have access to the internet who are 12 or 13. Mm-hmm. And they're like I was at 12 and 13. And I also have students that are 12 or 13 and do have access to the internet. They do have smartphones. And, I, like, the distant, like the difference between how I was as a tween and how they are as a tween is huge. Um, and I have to credit my parents because they could have given me access to TV, phone, I mean, all those things. Yeah. But they chose not to. What I One specific moment that made me sort of realize that is I was visiting one of my cousins when she was, like, 10, and mm-hmm. she had an app for when she brushed her teeth to, like, play an educational video while she was brushing her teeth to, like, set the timer. Wow. And that was, like, be in silence for you 10 minutes brush to brush your teeth. Your teeth. <laughs> like, what? I think that's a good challenge for us now as adults is to try to take, like, I know, like, meditation is a thing. Like, like without, without mm-hmm. any expectation, take two to five minutes to do nothing at all. Yeah. Do nothing. Absolutely. Two to five minutes out of your day, it will grow into more time. It's way more difficult than you think. It's very, very difficult. I have very mm-hmm. active productivity brain. Mm-hmm. Yes. And I don't, I don't think I have anxiety or like 
an official thing. I have several. I like. I, I, I don't. I don't think I do because it's never. I none. Nothing that I've been anxious about has been to a point where it has negatively affected. Yeah. The work that I do or my Being relationships. Being anxious and having anxiety are so yeah. different. Right. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. but like, I do definitely get anxious about being productive mm-hmm. a lot of the times and. Over quarantine, this is, I think, the most important lesson quarantine has taught me, Mm -hmm. um, is just trusting my own motivation and trusting myself to know that I will get things done to the caliber that I want to get them done by the time that they Mm -hmm. need to be done. Mm -hmm. So if I don't work, if I just chill and don't do anything... That's not just I like I can wait until my body is ready to do something yes. productive. Relax and it's fine. Yeah. I and like I have enough faith in myself now to know that mm-hmm. if I just work when I feel like working, mm-hmm. everything will get done when it needs to get done. I, I read this fascinating blog post from a psychiatrist saying that in in her twelve years of study, she never was taught about laziness as a personality trait or a diagnostic term. Laziness doesn't exist. If you're if you have no motivation to do something and it's not caused by anxiety or depression or any other kind of developmental issue or neurological issue, it's probably because your life doesn't need that thing. If you're like, mm. man, I don't really want to go to med school right now. Maybe you don't want to be a doctor. <laughs> it doesn't mean yeah. you're a Fair lazy point. med school student. Maybe that's just mm-hmm. not what your life needs. And so like, Wow. It, it really resonated with me because one of my biggest fears has always been that I would be lazy. Um, yeah. And I think part of that comes from, mm-hmm. like, my, my dad has this incredible work ethic. And he, I don't know if I inherited it or if it was taught to me or kind of a mixture of both. Yeah. Um, but I got to a point in college where I was like, I, I'm working so hard. My work ethic is amazing. I, I have avoided being lazy. And then some stuff happened in my life where I had to back off of working so hard. And I was like, I've become lazy. And then I was like, wait a second. Mm -hmm. This is outside influence that is adjusting what I can and cannot do right now. That doesn't equate to laziness. And if you don't want to do something in your life that, you know, is like a work thing, maybe that's not where you need to be. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. And so so what you just said about like waiting until your body is ready to do work. Yeah. That you're Mm -hmm. not lazy. You're relaxing. It's okay. It's one of the hardest lessons to learn. Like, honestly, it quarantine taught me that as well. Your production like is not equal to your worth. And yes. yes. And what you do does not equal who you are. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's so good. Yes. I have a artistic realization anecdote. I don't remember if I've told it, it to you. Let's hear it. Artistic anecdote. So I took this existentialism to feminism philosophy Ooh, class last uh-huh. semester. And oh, I thought cool. it was going to be about feminism. It was only about feminism at the very end when we read a part of the Ethics of Ambiguity. But, um, <laughs> but so we, we learned about Jean-Paul Sartre. I don't know how to say it. I'm not a Jean-Paul French. Sartre. Yes. Yes. When we were reading it, they were like, everyone has like their project. And like, that was the big thing is like the project. Mm. Like you. You, and and then it's like your whole life is a never-ending project to like find completeness, but you can't. Right. It's like it's impossible to actually like complete it because you die. Um, <laughs> but uh, no, 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 no. But because so, you die. <laughs> but so That's the nice. reason I was connecting that to like because we had those conversations. I don't know if you guys had the same conversations with Colin in Acting Three about like what is art. But in my Acting Three class, we had this whole. Um, day of conversation where we just talked about what art means and then we use that to like cultivate our final project but I was thinking about that and I was like hmm maybe the reason uh, this is con- this is connecting to what you said as well Cody yeah um but yeah. it was like maybe the reason that 
I want to be an artist and the reason why we all want to be artists and why we love art is because it gives us all these little mini projects that simultaneously mm -hmm. can be complete so that it gives us that feeling of completeness but then mm -hmm. it also has no end because there's always more to create and there is no mm, definition yes. of perfect art so art yes. is so fulfilling because it's giving us that completeness while also never being complete that's fascinating mm -hmm. and that ties into what you said the other day when you were like you don't feel like there will ever be a time when you're done making art yeah your right. artistic career will never finish yeah mm -hmm. that is really no, cool. exactly and that's that's why i'm in it that's why i'm here is because like that's that's what i want to live a fulfilled life i want to be able to support myself while creating that's it two things creation of some kind making things making art that really is the most fulfilling thing. Yeah. And there and, is like, no, like, there's no finished. Yeah. Mm -mm. Like, there's no. there's no piece of art where it's like, ah, yes, this is the pinnacle of all art <laughs> ever. God, everything. yeah. It will never be better than this. And it also is because we're all changing. Yeah. Right. So, like, what may be perfect now, like, what I think is good now, what I'm submitting mm -hmm. for that audition is, is as good as I've got today, yeah. but it's not as good as I've got tomorrow. Exactly. So right. there's a goal forever. Yeah, that's the only thing you can be sure of in life is change. And there will never be a final product. It's just about the journey, you know? Yeah. And that's, that, was, that was another thing that I really felt about um, watching You're the Worst, actually, mm -hmm. was I felt very sad while I was watching it. And it wasn't necessarily because the story was sad. It was sad. It, it like, made me feel very melancholic because it was like, I'll never experience that. And it wasn't something I necessarily want to experience. Like, I don't want to go through what those characters go through. But it is. it still, like, made me sad that, like we will never get to experience every possible experience in the world. But that is, yes. like, the niceness yeah. of it is the possibility of, like, mm -hmm. the never being finished. I like think what you yeah. to connect with Absolutely. others is our, our human solution for not being able to experience everything is, is our desire and need to connect with other people. Mm -hmm. like, like, I can't yes. experience your life, but I can hear about you experiencing your life. And that is enough. And that's why that's this why. is so cool. That's why doing this is so cool. It's my favorite thing. It's really become like over these past couple of months, it's become my favorite thing because really it is that you get to without directly firsthand experiencing it, you get to experience other people's experience. Getting to know people that, I, you, that you know well is so mm -hmm. like, it's so rewarding to like, like I've known you for all, all, for three years. Yeah. We, we, we've been friends for three, for three years. And yeah. I mean, like, mm -hmm. or I had a conversation with my grandma last, like, last week, who I've known for 21 years. And I was like, mm -hmm. I have never heard you say that. I've never <laughs> heard that before. I didn't know that. There, there is no time when you will meet someone. Speaking of never-ending projects, there is no person on this earth that you will ever go, oh, I know everything about them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Ever. Ever. Even the people yeah. you know the most in the whole world. Like, I know, yeah. I know my mom incredibly well. Every time I go home, she tells me something I've never heard. My yeah. my mom, there is so much I don't know about her. She is like a mystery. <laughs> She's a mystery. And I don't know why. She like her just like her the span of time between when she graduated college and she had me, there's like a ten year span. Yeah. I have Whoa. no idea what happened. Ask her. I had, and she's yeah. just like, I traveled. I worked for, a, like, a credit card company. I met George Bush. I met what? Joe Biden. <laughs> what? Like, what the hell? And I'm like, what? <laughs> I, don't, I don't think it was a credit card company. She, like, wrote manuals for, like, how to teach people how to use software. I don't know. That's it was very wild. bizarre. Whoa. But then she was a preschool teacher. I don't know. It yeah. was very crazy. We'll, we'll never know everything That's about everybody. Um, well, we, we've yeah. been talking for a, a while, and I, I actually, I, I do want to circle back to, like, one of my favorite things to talk about, and the whole, like, thing we never always get to on the podcast about, um, like, religion and spirituality. Yes. Um, tell me a little bit about, about your religion and your spirituality, and yes. kind of, like, where in that spectrum you fall. Okay, yeah. So, 
I, I think that, I don't mean for this to sound insensitive, but this is how I felt as a child. I felt the same way about God that I felt about Santa. I felt like it was this, like, secret that... Oh, that you would become old enough and somebody be like, hey, sorry, God actually is fake. Yeah. Wow. Um, so I never really mm. believed in a higher power growing mm. up. I, I was just kind of chilling. But I was raised Jewish and I did go to Hebrew school and, like, I went every Sunday. I learned about the culture. I learned how to read Hebrew, which is pretty cool. I had a bat mitzvah where I read from the Torah. But I never really, I feel like I am more so aligned with the moral the morality of it mm-hmm. and the culture rather than the spirituality or the religion. And then I went through a period probably from when I had my bat mitzvah to our conversation your freshman year <laughs> where I was like, religion is dumb. The church is dumb. I don't understand why people need religion. I, I just really, really did not understand because I never felt the need to like pray i never felt the need to search for a higher power to find Mm -hmm. significance or to find consolation in my life which i think is definitely ironically a blessing (laughs) but so i i just kind of thought of it as this like thing that other people did that i just did not understand and then i had that conversation with you and i Mm -hmm. i don't remember everything from it but Mm -hmm. i remember something one, I don't remember the phrasing, but you said something along the lines of, like, I see God in everything around me. Yes. And, like, mm-hmm. I, like, I find, like, mm-hmm. spirituality in just the universe and the mm-hmm. world. And that I really yeah. liked, and I never really mm-hmm. thought about it like I, that I before. think you, you said something or, or posted something about, like, if there are bad things in the world and your prayers don't get answered, how can you believe in God? And I kind of come to the realization at, at that specific point in my life that my prayers have always been answered and never in the way that I wanted them to be. And that's the point. You don't get to pray and say like, like I'm not praying for an outcome. I'm praying for help. And when like, when I pray and I'm like, I'm like, I need help here. I'm not saying like, I need help in this specific way. And if it's not in that specific way, I don't want it. Like you're, Mm -hmm. you're reaching out because like we cannot do anything alone. And if if that for me has been the friends that have been sent Mm -hmm. to me that I years later realize saved my life or, you know, the way the interactions I've had with my family that were difficult or I mean, like I remember, um, like praying for my grandfather to be healed. And I remember having a moment when I was like, he's, he's supposed to die right now. And that's, and what I'm, what I'm getting instead Mm -hmm. is that it's at a time when I'm home and I'm like near this person and get to, yeah. to love them and be near them. And yeah. that's a blessing. And like, yeah. that's, that's what I see God in more than like, Oh, surprise. You prayed for money and here's a hundred dollars. Yeah. Like it doesn't right. work like that. Yeah. I, no. He's not like a favor machine. Like, yeah. Yeah. My biggest joke with God is that I pray for parking <laughs> spots and he always gives me a parking spot. I, it's, it's this joke it's this joke that i like i I've, I've told i think i've told you before like i feel like i'm in constant communication with a higher power yeah like i'm always mm-hmm. like in connection with with yeah. god in whatever form like mm-hmm. people see that in um but i will frequently go like i i'm late for class i need a parking spot and i'll pull into the library a lot that is <laughs> stacked full and watch somebody pull out and be like thank you jesus amen <laughs> and it happens every time yeah See, and that I feel like, especially more recently in this past year, I've gotten in that constant communication with like God. Uh, I put that in air quotes just because, you know, my beliefs are more like everything. everything every everything living thing is like part of God, part, part of the part universe. Of the universe. We're, all We're all connected, connected by, being by being alive. alive. There's, something, There's divine something divine in that. In that. 
that yeah, like, like makes that connection. Yeah, 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 I'm yeah. So yeah sorry. I know. Oh, Saw that one coming. Um, <laughs> yeah, I definitely think that since meeting you specifically, I've transitioned from like I am an atheist to I am agnostic. I don't know if there's a higher power. I personally don't practice any religion in my day-to-day life. It's just not something that I do in my day. It's not a part of my routine. It's just not. But but I feel a lot more open to the idea Mm -hmm. of it. Like, and I feel very much like just like there is no certainty. So like why Mm -hmm. shut off anything that could be a possibility? And I do really like the reform Judaism, just reform Judaism. Like if I were going to align with a religion, Mm -hmm. that would be Mm -hmm. what I would align with. And because, um, Cody, my, I had a wonderful rabbi growing up. His name was Rabbi Wisnia. And (laughs) yeah, he was a great, he was a really, really great dude. He was, he was like, mm-hmm. if you if you imagine um, the the dad from Big Mouth, the like, but no, but Andrew's dad, like the really Jewish yes. one, he's yes. like the the alternate alternate universe, like kind nicer, good, kind amazing. good version. But the voice kind of sounds the same. I can see <laughs> that awesome. so clearly in my head. Yeah, yeah. and um, yeah. he he was very open to like, hey, if you don't believe in God, like that's okay. Like you can you can not believe in a higher power and still practice Judaism. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. it, because it's all about like the morals and like being a good person, being a mensch. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, and the the two things that he always said were, um, prayers don't cha- change things. Prayers change people, and people change things. And then he also said like, what is God? Put an extra O in there. Good, mm. just good. Everything oh, good. Wow. And those were the two things that really stuck with me. Even though I I didn't really subscribe mm. to. All of it. That's like my vibe with yeah. religion. I still don't fully understand it, but mm-hmm. I'm chill with that. I think that's kind of the constant journey that we're all on. I, we, we get yeah. taught a lot as kids is like, especially if you grew up in any kind of religious background, like, hey, the options are being a hardcore atheist or mm-hmm. being the perfect, like, Christian or whatever right. religion you prescribe to. And that is a very incredibly massive gray area that whether you mm-hmm. like it or not, you live in most yeah. of the time. Does it- Actually, also better options than I had. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I listened mm-hmm. to her oh. episode of the podcast. Yeah. And like that, I I really I've talked to her in person about that as yeah. well. Yeah, mm-hmm. about how you don't need to know, and that's yeah. okay. Yeah, not knowing it's is also fine. It. And if you mm-hmm. if you think you know, and that makes your life better, then that's fine. Cool. If you but... don't think you know, and that makes your life better, that's fine. You know, be nice to people. Yeah, yeah. and then I also like I'm... the Jewish um, interpretation of the afterlife as well. Can you share mm-hmm. about that? Yeah, yeah, yeah it's, I, I'm a religion major, and I haven't taken Judaism is so like multifaceted and interconnected that there we have a whole class on it that I haven't taken yet, so it's just not included Whoa. beyond like some historical stuff. Yes. So I would love to hear from you. Yeah, um, so there are multiple interpretations. So like. If anyone is like an Orthodox Jew and listening to this, I went to Reform Synagogue. I I just know what I've been told. <laughs> just letting you um, know. Yeah, I I don't know if this Oops. is what Orthodox conservative Jewish people believe, but this is what I was taught, and this is also what they said at the, my grandfather's funeral. One interpretation of the afterlife is that there is just one afterlife, and mm-hmm. there's like no heaven or hell. It's just like one, like the the mm-hmm. next, just and it's kind of akin to the universe like you just kind of enter yeah, the, yeah. the universe and just float ar- not like float around but it's just like you become your, one with the mm-hmm. the your energy moves energy. on yeah you like else. yeah exactly you like merge with the energy yeah. of the universe which i really like mm-hmm. cuz i think that that's like both finite and open yeah 
And then the, but then the Jewish interpretation of like, not reincarnation, that's, it's not reincarnation. Um, But (laughs) uh, it's the belief that the way, like the way that you live on and your motivation to be good in life is because of the legacy that you leave. Kind of like in Coco. Um, Cool. Mm. Uh, Where it's like, you should, you should do good because you want to be remembered well by the people you loved Mm -hmm. and you should Mm -hmm. like try to leave like a positive impact and I think that that is a bigger motivator for me than heaven or hell is that where like may their memory be a blessing comes yeah in? Mm-hmm. yeah um yeah that, that RPG thing yeah um <laughs> that's where I've heard that the most recently yeah but yeah just like and I think that I like that motivation of like rather than you're trying to get in somewhere because then that also makes me think of the good place where it's like there's the good place but then it's like mm. but then what yeah but like, right. like does once everything you... require duality? Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I like the idea that you should do good things and be good, so that you may leave like positive vibes and positive yeah. memories. You're adding and... good to the universe. By yeah, and it shouldn't yeah. be to like get somewhere, but like just knowing that you have done that should be enough. That's really cool. Which Absolutely. I like a lot. Yeah, that's awesome. That's cool. I love... So I we are like we've gone. It's not the longest. It's getting close though. So I every episode gets longer because we get really every excited. episode gets longer. We I get like really talking. into it. I, I'm gonna go ahead and speak into existence that we have to have Micah back on for just an episode about feminism because oh, we yeah. haven't touched Absolutely. on it yet. But I know you can talk about it for it's, seven hours. Mm-hmm. Yo, we um, need it. Wait, can I give a can I give a short feminist anecdote? Sure, short feminist anecdote, oh, yeah. and we'll go into our last question. Okay, short feminist anecdote. Um, objectification. <laughs> yeah, cool. Um, okay. Sorry, I've just been thinking about how in our industry um, we are expected to wear makeup, and I've talked to you about this. I'm you can sorry, slow down. I will slow bit. down. It's I'm okay. a very fast talker. You got it. When I get excited. You got it. We so, and I love that about you. <laughs> so, Georgia and I have been talking, and I'm still thinking about this about whether or not it is feminist to mm. wear makeup and shave your legs. And mm. I, on there are multiple arguments. One argument is. You're a woman, you can do whatever you want. The yeah. feminism is about the right to choose what you do with your body. Mm-hmm. If you want to wear makeup, wear makeup. If you want to shave your legs, shave your legs. I do both of those things, and I don't think it makes me less of a feminist. Agreed. However, then I read some de Beauvoir, and she was like, women have been conditioned to be the object of men's subject in society and have been conditioned to play this role of validating men's experience, and one way that they do that is by ornamenting themselves like objects Hmm. and that is how Hmm. we have been conditioned to present ourselves to the world Hmm. is and that just kind of blew up my brain can i retort yes because that's not that's not necessarily what i believe it was just something i read that was very interesting my retort is first of all i don't always shave my legs because it's a hassle but if i do it's because they feel nice it's good men Try it. Just once. My yeah. friend Steven yeah. used to yeah. shave his legs in high school because we did it once as a joke, and then he was like, this feels great. Like, <laughs> hey, <laughs> I'm just saying. Some yeah. things do feel good. But then also, as a queer woman, when I do my makeup, I am not looking only for the validation of men. Yeah. Um, and, like, I'm in a like a heterosexual relationship at this time, but, like, I know that my that my partner, like, loves me with and without makeup because yeah. he's seen me in both of those, like, iterations of myself. And so when I do wear makeup, I usually find that it is more for the approval of women, both romantically and not. Like, I feel more worried 
that a girl is gonna look at me and say like oh she's not trying hard enough which i think is like also falls yeah. into like the we've been conditioned to judge each other um but but i i get so afraid that someone's gonna look at me and be like i remember that she was prettier on wednesday and today she's not because she isn't wearing makeup yeah and that's like mm. wh- where where does our desire to be pretty actually come in and is beauty only put into clothes and makeup and ornamentation for for any gender yeah Exactly. And I've been thinking about it in the context of our industry, mm-hmm. because one retort that I've gotten from a lot of people, because I, like, I wear makeup to every interview and audition, mm-hmm. as is expected. If, if I didn't, it would be perceived mm-hmm. as I was not trying. Over half of the audition notes I've gotten were to be more feminine by wearing my hair down. Yeah. Wow. Um, but, and so, but so a lot of the things that I've been hearing from people when I express, like, how I think that that's weird is, well, they just want to see, like, how you're going to look on stage because you wear makeup on stage. Mm-hmm. And I say, okay, yeah, but men wear makeup on stage. And they men aren't mm-hmm. expected to wear makeup to auditions. Yeah. And it's like, I, I just want the uniformity. Like, I just want it to not mm-hmm. be a double standard. If we're going to yeah. be expected to wear makeup right. at, at auditions because they want to see how we're going to look on stage, y'all should yeah, also should have to too? do that. Oh, yeah. I totally agree. I, I would say as a whole that... Have you ever gone to an audition without makeup on? No. I have. They did not notice. And if they did notice, they didn't tell me. But, mm-hmm. like, like I stopped wearing makeup during quarantine. I did not start wearing makeup again until I wanted to. Um, I, I have noticed very little difference in anything but, like, my confidence. I Like, I'm not wearing makeup right now. A year ago, right now, I would be, like, trying to get out of the FaceTime camera and uncomfortable with people seeing me. Y'all know what I look like? Yeah. Yeah. This is it. Yeah. (laughs) You Mm -hmm. know? Like, that was also another good thing about quarantine is I think it, like, denormalized seeing myself with a makeup face. Like, now Mm -hmm. I just am, like, chill with my normal face and makeup Mm -hmm. is just like, hey, extra. Yeah. Because it is fun. Like, why Mm -hmm. do we put glitter on things? Glitter's cute. It's pretty. Dude, I I I don't actually like glitter, but it is pretty. I like glitter. (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. And so, like, like, do we actually... We don't actually need that, of course. But yeah. Like, we ornament things in our, like, you've decorated your room. Yeah. Is that because you're afraid someone's going to look at your room and say, like, oh, it's gross if you didn't ornament it? You ornamented it for yourself. <laughs> yeah. So if I ornament my body, if I wear earrings or I fill in my eyebrows, yeah. it's because I am allowed to find myself as, as pretty as I find other people, and I can do that when I'm completely natural, and I can do that with ornamentation that I enjoy. Amen. There's like my that. rant. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Thank you. I think- Y'all are right with the when it comes to auditions, especially it's a total double standard. I think it's dumb. I don't think I don't think you should have to wear makeup at an audition. I think you should be able to literally go into an audition looking like you, however you feel comfortable. I want to be able to walk in there with like sweatpants and a t-shirt. I know, I know, it's not professional, but like if they if they're gonna cast me, I want them to cast me because I'm me, not because of you know whatever I look like. Going back to what we were talking about earlier with auditions, exactly. I feel like you're selling yourself like but you're selling yeah. a version of yourself and i feel like with auditions you're selling a version of yourself that is not necessarily authentic to who you are because you're putting on what they want to see yeah and right. yeah that just ties into that yeah. like i wish we, I, could yeah, exactly. we want to auditions yeah mm-hmm. but it's <laughs> it's a dumb standard it's let's change it we're, we're the next generation of people going into this industry we can and that, that's what i'm so excited for is because like everyone talks about all these problems that like they see in the system and in our society and all of these things. And it, and I talk to, you know, people that are older than me and they're like, well, that's just how things are. That's how things have always been. And, you know, yeah, it sucks, but that's just how it's going to be. And it that doesn't sit well with me. Everything that has ever inspired you, every societal change, every change in the world, somebody started that change. 
And if there is mm-hmm. something that is small and minute in your life that mm-hmm. you have any level of power or passion to change, you don't have to wait for someone to start it because yes, yep. you're probably the person who can start it. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that that's like really important. I, I have like, like I teach dance and I have a different yeah, teaching yeah. philosophy from every teacher who has ever taught me. Mm-hmm. I don't wait for somebody else to write a book about it. I just teach that way. Right, um, right. And I see the results from it and then I change it and I grow from it. And like mm-hmm. that, that is how everything can be. If, if you feel that people shouldn't wear makeup in auditions, don't wear makeup in auditions. People will probably yeah. follow your example. The world mm-hmm. can change by very small action. Mm-hmm. Well, we're really wrapping up here, but I want to yeah. ask our, our final question. Okay. Of course. <laughs> what is the best advice that you've ever received, Micah? Can I pander? Pander to you? <laughs> oh, sure. Because this is from you. Oh, God. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I'm sorry. This, this, is the first. this is the first. This is the first. Okay. okay. I actually, oh, okay. I'll do two things. One okay. is from you and one is from Marina Duratmeral. Amazing. We love Marina. Um, so one is, this is the reason that I knew I was going to like you before I even met you. <laughs> because I looked at your Instagram bio <laughs> and it was in a society that profits off of self-doubt liking yourself is a rebellious act. Yes. Is that correct? Yes. In it's the, the quotes that's written on all the mirrors in my house as well. Yeah. <laughs> I read that and it kind of shook me to my core <laughs> um, because it just put so concisely that something that I had always felt but had never seen like publicly expressed from another woman because mm-hmm. I feel as though back to the feminism in society women are often conditioned to not like ourselves and yes. it's perceived as like the norm and it's perceived as attractive mm-hmm. like we were talking about with the what makes you beautiful that one direction song it's like you don't know you're beautiful <laughs> that's what makes you beautiful yeah. it's like it's cool that you don't like yourself it's cool that yeah. you don't know that you're attractive and smart and funny yeah confidence and, is annoying yeah and <laughs> I grew up always thinking like confidence is cool I'm great I'm smart I'm mm-hmm. fun and I was felt like society was telling me to not be like that and I saw that yes. quote and I was like yo Mm-hmm. That's great shit. Yeah, I found that yeah. around the time yeah. of my life when I was auditioning for college and I wanted to wear, I knew that I felt the most comfortable in menswear with a button down, slacks, and Oxfords on. Um, and I had several different people say, like, no one is ever going to want you if you don't present feminine. And I was like, bitch, I want me. Mm. And when Hell I found that quote, yeah. I was like, this is good. And, yeah. and you know what? Like, I got into like almost every school that I wanted to go to. And yeah. I've gotten a mi- many amazing jobs that I'm incredibly proud of wearing slacks and Oxfords and a button yeah. down. <laughs> who you are is not defined by what you wear. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. Absolutely. And then the Marina Duratmaroff. This is not a, necessarily a quote. This is just something that she reminds me of frequently. Yeah. Um, because, and she always says, I don't know the exact wording. She's always like, Micah, if you do the work, you're going to be fine. <laughs> <laughs> Um, it's so true yeah she she's always like micah you prepared it's gonna it's gonna be fine you're not gonna hit with get hit with meteor on the day you you get everything you can do Mm -hmm. and that has been a very important to me especially throughout college with a lot of stress i've had with over preparation Mm -hmm. and just overworking things to the point where (laughs) they became bad um Mm. or not necessarily bad but just like not it's uh-huh. not. It's not like fresh anymore. Like it's not. Yeah, I can't it's like stale. It stale. I, yeah, it's it becomes stale. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. she she just always reminds me like if you do if you do what you need to do and you do the work like you can trust that that is enough. Yes. yes and yeah. having that faith from an external source has been 
extremely beneficial mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. up to yesterday oh, I love yeah like when you she, filmed yeah i filmed i filmed some auditions for grad school yesterday and i asked marina if she could if our lesson could be on if she could be on the computer and just tell me and just tell me after i sang that's good enough yeah you've done uh-huh. it. You've, it's like done. that's fine you yeah. can stop now like don't <laughs> overwork it just stop and <laughs> learning right. to like parent ourselves and, and be our own guardians is definitely hard yeah, yeah. So mm-hmm. yeah, those 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 advices. Yeah, that's amazing. Well, this has been a simply delightful conversation. It yeah, it's been fantastic. Really, really this is delightful. I yes. love conversing <laughs> I, with you. I feel like this is just a normal eve yeah. in our house. It's, it pretty much is. Pretty much every like couple yeah. of days, we just sit on the couch and talk about like the existential elements of the world, which I really <laughs> enjoy. Yeah. Well, this has been that's awesome. Thank you so much for joining us. Yeah. Of course. Can't um, wait to have you back on the show. Yes. Like... We'll, we'll bring you back to talk about all, mm-hmm. all of your feminist theory. I would love that. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Thank you guys so much for listening yeah. and we'll see you next Monday. Bye. See you next Monday. And in the meantime, guys, drink some coffee or something. Yeah. <laughs>